Welcome everybody to weekday worship on this uh, first week or first couple weeks of fall. Is it? <laughs> like in the official sense? Yeah. I don't know. I, I never under. I always feel like we start like fall before the calendar says it's officially fall and similar. Like I, I don't know. Fall, culturally, we've started fall. Oh, a hundred percent. And the weather's shifted there. It yeah. would seem for sure. So. We have not done a fire pit yet, so it hasn't been inaugurated. I did a fire pit with people from our church on Saturday. Thanks for the invite. Well. Appreciate that, man. It was for the younger crowd. Like people in their <laughs> 30s? Like me? Well, you're, you're, I told you, you're on the... You're on the, the you're it's teetering. official, huh? It, it is. It, it was is. for the younger crowd. Yeah, for sure. Who is the oldest person there? Can I ask that? Am I going to... Oh, man. Maybe Tyler Hammett. He's gonna. He might be embarrassed. Well, the thing about Tyler Hammett is that, love you, Tyler. Tyler's an older soul than anybody in our church. Like Tyler, I think he's thirty, but Tyler's at the soul level. Tyler's like one hundred and fourteen. He's he's kind of an old old man, like old, but not as old as you. Let's just make that clear. Well, technically, yeah, technically. If you're being technical, then yes. Are you big? Uh, are you a big fall guy? I am a like. I'm. All, I wish fall was all the time. Hundred percent. So you're like gonna drink a pumpkin spice? Latte, oh God! No, 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 no! I'm not like trendy fall. No, I'm not like. I don't want to decorate for fall. I just want to enjoy it. <laughs> so no, but fall uh, football cookout like barbecue chili fire pits flannels like, flan oh yeah <laughs> flannels hoodies yeah fall I wish, festivals. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pumpkin patches, uh, corn mazes, no. Those are not, no. I don't like, I'm not any, a fall events guy. I just, I just you're like, the, a, really, it's just the weather. You're not a, a 1990s uh, culture war, the church should replace Halloween with fall festivals kind of guy? Uh, so I grew up in a church. My, my mom doesn't listen to the pod, so I think we're safe here. Um, <laughs> we... We we did children's musicals on Halloween oh, wow. night every what, year in the church I grew up what, in. Like what kind of musicals? Uh, my parents wrote them mostly. <laughs> Were they like? What was the theme though? Of, I, it depends on the year. <laughs> I remember one uh, was themed around Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Wow. Um, there was. I, I remember my brother playing. So it has nothing to do with Halloween whatsoever. No, 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 not with Halloween. They would no. It, it, they were biblical or you know kind of. Like, and they were long. They were like, I mean, we're talking about like hour and fifteen minute plays. Like, <laughs> like we prepared for months for this in children's acts. ministry in our church, and uh, yeah. So we, would, but it was our, you know, we couldn't dress up for the devil mm-hmm. and trick or treating purposes, but absolutely not. So we did a night of like we would do like praise and worship, I think, and then they did like uh, the musical, and then they would give out candy to all the kids, and you know, so it was like a, it was like taking back the day. For our church, my my mom. Uh, by the way, I hate Halloween. Um, Why? It, it, but not for spiritual reasons. I've just been doing it a long time. Like so, fit, married fifteen <laughs> years with toddlers the whole time. So there's this like excitement about, and I'm so over it. Like I just it, like it well, just gets it may, old. It may be your lucky year. Oh, coronavirus! Yeah. <gasps> I haven't thought about that. Yeah, you're the Halloween Scrooge. And I sounded uh, too excited about a pandemic just now. <laughs> you did. When but I it. no, I haven't thought. This could be the best gift of 2020. Yeah. Even though I, I, I've I seen some innovation hook. online for, for what's going to happen. Well, of course, I've seen masks are sort of par for the course no, on no, Halloween. No, listen to this. Listen to what people are doing. People with too much time on their hands. <laughs> They're building a, a PVC pipe stand that goes from your door down the stairs so that you can drop some candy through the through the PVC pipe down to the kids. Can Okay, so that's clever, but why wouldn't you just throw it at them? <laughs> Cuz that's you can't put that on Facebook, you know? <laughs> it's not an Etsy little crafty no, no, no. thing. But you 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 will, as a dad will probably have to make one or something like that. I don't know. I'm I might become very very you're going uh, to be, risk you're gonna be one of those, the virus. You're going to be one of those houses that turns their lights off at Halloween. No, so that was my house growing up. <laughs> that was my house. My mom literally, it wasn't just that we weren't going to trick or treat. Yeah. It's that 
she wasn't gonna like give candy to trick or treaters. No. It was like, yeah, 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 she was the Scrooge of Halloween. Wow, for sure. So I grew up having never trick or treated. That I remember, I, I might have when I was a baby. They may have taken us like before some of that, but but yeah, there was I never trick or treated until I was a parent. Wow. Um, but I would just form into the world. So yes. I'm thinking about this though that I don't. I think that I could have a very just a surge of anxiety around the pandemic and and decide, you know, I think just for wisdom's sake, we need to stay in tonight. <laughs> because your I'm anticipating would, your feeling anxious. They would buy that sincerely that you're really looking out for their best interest. Well, <laughs> golly, that makes sense. You just don't want to go out and do the Halloween thing. Well, Yes, <laughs> that's that's true. I don't mind the kids dressing up. Okay, they can dress up. Like I just, you mean you go like? Have you been in downtown Norcross for Halloween? It's no, a little nuts. Like people go a little crazy. Yeah, it's up and down North Peach. It's 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 crazy. Hey, we're in the we're in a new studio today. We are. We're in our fall studio. Our fall studio. Yes. <laughs> the sunroom on the back porch. Yes. We've never sun. recorded out here. Yes. So change of scenery. Um, same people. Unfortunately for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Jim McCauley today. Laid up on his. Uh, yeah. With his foot reconstructive surgery. I. I, I told Jim this without talking to you ahead of time. So I did tell Jim because he's laid up and he can't move that we, we might try to, we might try to create a bonus pod, like, you know, wow. somewhere along the way here. So he has more to listen to cause he's just, he's laid up. What's and, the topic of choice for that? bonus? <laughs> this is the first mention, you know, I mean, I'm, I mentioned it to him now I'm saying it to you, but you're the, you're the topic guy, I guess. I'll talk to Jim and see what he wants. Yeah. Oh, there you go. A special episode for him. We could do like a, a special J-Turn episode. No. I would, probably wouldn't publish that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just send it to him. Okay, so... All right. Yeah, we Speaking of topics. Speaking of topics. So we, we started last week talking about uh, responding or actually putting uh, some feet to and exploring... Uh, some of the the particular things we were repentant for as a church in terms mm-hmm. of thinking through uh, through the churches in Revelation a couple weeks ago. Can I just say yeah. real quick? Mm-hmm. That feels like that already feels like it was a year ago. That feels a long time. Twenty twenty is so long. <laughs> like every week is yeah. so long. Anyway, go ahead. Um. Yeah, and I, I, maybe that's maybe that's in, uh, that's the importance of doing something like this is. Man, how many Sundays have we moved on from from things that probably needed a lot more time? Mm. You know, in terms of our own self reflection. Um, and so this is our attempt at doing that. We 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 kind of honed in on different sins that were specific to the churches in Revelation that are specific to the Big C Church and probably within our own church in in many ways. Um, these areas that. Uh, Instead of just saying sorry for them, how about we think about uh, how we're actually interacting with those ideas and where we can go from there. Yeah, here. let's actually bear fruit in yeah. keeping with repentance, right? And we said we we're going to kind of mesh these two together. Last week we talked about sexual immorality in terms of our, our sexuality in uh, entertainment and how we're thinking through that. Uh, this one's, again, parents, this is probably a PG-13 episode more than mm-hmm. last week. Um, but of the topic of pornography and its uh, kind of grip on our culture and probably within the church. And so um, the reason why I, I pulled that particular uh, topic out is um, we lo- obviously looked at the Church of Pergamon last week, this week, uh, Thy- Thyatira? Thyatira. That's how you say it? Yeah. Um, was, if you look at their church and what they were being called out for, it was even more probably sexually explicit in nature, maybe more focused in that area. Um, And how does that translate to us? Of course, we could talk about infidelity or sexual immorality. Um, Honestly, I I think talking about pornography probably hits closer to home for most of us because I think we're used to thinking of infidelity kind of as an out there thing. Yeah. Whereas we can't really do that with pornography. Um, that's kind of a 
that's encroached on um, probably every part of the church life in terms of uh, uh, much more. Well, it's personal to all of us. It's personal, all if us, we're honest. Sure. Um, and there was a part in the corporate prayer in the response that I want to read that um, maybe brings this back up. Okay. Uh, so this was part of the the corporate response that one of our leaders uh, read and we we prayed for, and it was uh, it was this this prayer: "Forgive us for setting before our eyes as a way of life things which provoke our lusts. Forgive us for the rampant use of pornography among us." Forgive us for a culture of exploitation. Forgive us for our untroubled enjoyment of entertainment that defrauds us and which feeds our flesh. Mm. Obviously, we did that two weeks ago. I was even thinking in terms of, you know, even talking about something like porn, I think there's a lot of people that could be listening that kind of just tune out um, because this may not be something that affects them or that they know of affects people around them. Um, statistically, I don't think that's true. Right. Uh, but also, uh, you know, James mentioned the person the other day in, in service, but uh, came out so, uh, that a Christian leader, very famous Christian leader, <clears throat> had uh, really messed up in the area of sexuality and... Uh, it seems like uh, really fell to a place that no one knew about um, in, a, in a shocking way, honestly, if you think about it. Sure. And what I was, it hit me in a different way, I think, uh, because of this, who this particular person was. Uh, but I was telling Natalie, I was telling my wife, uh, when we first read about this and we're, we were laying in bed and I was like, you know, I wonder what little compromises years before led a man like that to a place where he could do something so shocking. You know, that didn't happen. He didn't just wake up and and uh, and fall into infidelity, right? There's little compromises along the way somewhere that that led him that way. And right. it was like, man, what are some of those little consequences years before are those? Those things that I'm doing, or the, you know, it's like I don't think we realize we're used to saying end result. We don't really usually trace out how we how people get there, and I right. think that's uh, this is I guarantee you this topic pornography was involved in in uh, those sins and the sins of many. People. It's funny you say that because uh, Betsy and I had the exact same conversation in many ways of a lot of assumptions on my part here, and num well. That if if there's credibility to or, you know, if these allegations and stuff are true, that these are not things that people just end up, you know, one day they wake up and decide to do this, yeah. right? There is. There's compromises. There's a hidden uh, sin, a hidden way of life in our thought world and our, um, you know, just our pri- that we've privatized and... Um, I, I think about James uh, chapter 1 when uh, James gives us a little picture as to uh, what I would maybe call the like, uh, a life cycle of, of sin um, where he, he talks about how, what is it, it's desire when it conceives. Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, this is good dead air time for a podcast, right? Um, he says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah. So it's this idea of like, hey, we've got these corrupted, unhealthy, perverse, uh, uh, deviant desires for things that if not tended to and put to death and guarded against vigilantly and all that will, will grow in a sort of gestational kind of way, right? Uh, not seen, not obvious initially, but growing nonetheless. It's a life of its own. And then eventually there's this uh, um, sin begins to emerge. There becomes a sinful pattern, something maybe more observable. 
um, and if still not tended to sin when it's full grown, right? When it comes to its fullest fruits, gives birth to death. And, uh, and so the, the idea of, of sin marinating and growing and gestating inside for a long period of time before it's birthed and actually takes shape and, and, and is, is visible and, and, and everything. And then even then we tend to sort of coddle it. We, mm-hmm. we will tend to take sin not real seriously. We, we see it as something that we, like we, in some ways we cherish it. We love it. We, we value it. It gives us something that we want. Um, and so we will continue to coddle it. And then, you know, over years, it will eventually become this, this untamed, uncaged, uh, beastly thing in our lives that ravages us yeah. and the people around us. And, yeah. um, those are the latent sort of capacities within sin, even in seed form, just in our thought life, yeah. uh, that we often don't, I think, see. Yeah. So. I, we could get caught up in statistics to to make this point, but just so you know, the there's a good chance that somebody that you know or yourself is watching pornography. Twenty five percent of in, of internet engine searches are pornography. So you think about that: one in four internet searches are pornography. Wow! Isn't that insane? Right. That's a unbelievably high yeah. volume. And so it, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's worth the time trying to convince people that this is in our problem within the church. I think everybody kind of knows this is a, this is a reality in, in, in every church in every, uh, community of people dealing with this topic. Well, and the, the insidious nature of pornography is that even if you, even if it's not a problem, if it's genuinely not a problem for you and in your home, it's two seconds away from being. For sure. 100%. Always. Yeah. So here's the question. With that kind of established, we're, we're kind of agreeing on that. And this isn't a new thing anymore. I mean, especially with like, you think about like for years, it was talked about pornography as this new wave of pornography because of the internet and all this stuff and phones. And I'm like, so, I mean, yeah, we're a generation. I was in, yeah, I was in middle school when people started, you know, having iPhones and smartphones and that kind of stuff. I mean, we're, we're like, we're like ten years into this. So, so I was probably like in high school when that happened. Then. <laughs> wow. so, sorry, that's false. That is uh, that's that's fake. That's false. fake news if you've ever heard. Okay. It. Um, so here's the question: You've been in pastoral ministry for what, fifteen years? Uh, 12. 12. So, obviously, this has been something that you have been on the front lines of kind of seeing in terms of, a, okay, this new reality of infection of pornography in our communities. What, how, do you, how, how have you seen pornography uh, affect maybe, maybe not churches, but maybe families? And just from a pastoral perspective, where do you see, how, do you, how have you seen porn yeah, so evolve into what it's been? I, well, let me, this is, I wasn't planning on doing this. This is a little uncomfortable to do, if I'm honest. But this isn't, this is personal to me, like it is anybody else. I have struggled with this in, in my past. This has affected my marriage, you know, personally. Um... And so I have seen, I, I, I just want to be straight about that, that it's not a problem that I've seen in other people that I minister to only, or first and foremost, even. Um, early in our marriage and prior to marriage, um, this, this was an issue for me. And um, it breeds deceptiveness at its core, as well as many other things, obviously. But what it did to create distance between my wife and I that that still to this day I would say um what it did even in the early part of our marriage so God's been very gracious to to us to me and I've experienced a measure of real victory in this and and God's healed us and and everything the fact that this had a a part of our life of my life within our marriage sowed distrust into my relationship with my wife in an area that we can still see sort of resurface now and again. Um, again, not, ne- not, not 
not the problem of pornography, but the distrust that, that created, the mm-hmm. insecurity that created, uh, when when we go through different things might resurface at times. And I and I realize that a lot of those struggles that we can still have reemerge, you can trace back in some way to that, you know. And so the tentacles of this issue are far reaching beyond anything I think we imagine when we're in it. So my, the first thing I want to say, even, even though I'm a pastor and it's probably not, you know, comfortable for people to hear or whatever, like I, I just, if we're not honest about the, the fact that it affects us all and that it's maybe had an impact on our lives and that it's gripped us at different times or different levels, if like it's not going to be safe for our folks to talk about this as personal struggles. If I can't also admit, Hey, I get this. Yeah, like, for sure. um, and so anyway, I just want to own that. And um, and when you say that's, I, I think that's one of the biggest problems in dealing with pornography in the church and at large is we're just, we're just wired to not tell the whole truth about it. Yes. How many times have you sat down with, with you know, my, my experiences with dudes, right? <laughs> Walking with young men who have done this. And let's be clear. This is not a male problem. Absolutely not. The and statistics definitely show that more and more women. This are is a human people. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's just my. I, I don't have you know obviously sure. experience with. with yeah, yeah. I just don't want this to be perceived as a as a male only. No, it's thing definitely not. At this point, I, it for sure is not. Um, but how many times have you sat down with someone or, or a group and you're and you're trying to and you're trying to get them to be honest about this topic and they won't. If if they if they maybe watch porn occasionally they'll say no it's I don't watch it or maybe they watch it pretty frequently and they'll say yeah maybe once in a while or they watch it habitually and they'll say well maybe once a month it, no one wants to be honest it's about this topic yeah we there's a lot of hedging a lot of ambiguity and so you'll hear things in certainly in male circles if it's talked about it's like. Well, I'm not really struggling with that right now, which means like, hey, for the last eight and a half minutes, like, yeah, I mean, it could mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we use vague words like struggle or that can be an area of temptation or uh, I've I've had some weakness there, you know, and yeah, so there's a lot of vagueness and ambiguity. And I think here's the reality is that so many men struggle with it that we're all comfortable with everybody else being vague because it gives us permission to be vague. And then we don't have to actually deal with it. For sure. Absolutely. This is kind of a heavy thing. So (laughs) thank you for bringing this up on the pod. Um, (laughs) Okay, so so that's kind of the struggles of dealing with it within the church is being honest about it. Yeah, that's definitely one. Uh, I think one of the things you would ask the question about, where do you see this playing out in ministry? One of the, well, okay. So here's another statistic is I think it's actually been moved down. Now my latest reading of this is that, um, at least, uh, boys. And I don't know if the, if the stat holds for girls, I know this is true for boys. The average boy views pornography for the first time at 11 years old. Yep. That's a guy. I, I, Looked up these stats, which is week. super alarming for me as a dad with four sons, yeah, who are all at or past that age, yeah. Um, and so one one thing I just want to say is that if we're not as parents talking about this subject, for sure, by the time our parents are our kids, our sons are eleven or twelve, you're late to the party, one hundred percent, which feels wrong. It, yeah. it feels wrong to talk about this stuff with my 11 year old. Yeah. But the reality is if, if I don't, he's got some 11 year old or 12 year old or 14 year old or 15 year old buddy who, or 10 year old buddy for that matter, yeah. who's, who's going to talk to him about it. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about kids in this area since you brought it up. So one of the statistics, statistics, it's a tough word. It is a tough word. I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, you're getting your Greek down, but statistics is yes, it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Um, one of the one of the stats that I found <laughs> stats is um, easier on particularly with kids surrounding pornography is that according to Google Analytics in, in their search engine, that the the time frames around the country that kids get out of school. Porn searches increased by forty seven hundred percent. Whoa! On the internet. Yeah, 
It's insane. Forty-seven. Forty-seven hundred percent. And so you so you think about that. You think about so like fall break. Yeah. Is that what you I'm mean? Ta- like no, I'm talking about I'm talking about like when at like three. Oh, PM. the time of day. Yeah, the time of day. Oh. So when kids are getting home from school, this seems to be a uh, something that happens. Right. Yeah. Is uh, is pornography. Uh, wow. Searches increase, but uh, when I think about this, this the age that you're talking about in terms of first exposure being 11 on average, and then this just enhanced uh, ability and kind of volume of pornography that kids are are getting exposed to. Um, it remind it reminded me of, of of a particular verse that my mom. Used to she used to drill this verse into me, not in a bad way, in a really good way. Mm. She would she would tie it's a it's it's a verse that a, it's the same kind of phrase that appears three times in the Song of Solomon, and it talks about um, do not arouse or awaken yes, love until a, it so desires. Yes, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases or yeah. or it desires really, and uh, the idea there in Song of Solomon is obviously there's like romantic and sexual tension between the the fiance and the and the the groom there, and there's this there's this warning of don't awaken this before it's time. Don't awaken this before it's time. Right. It's not. It isn't. It not not in a way of like, kind of, uh, being prudish or like guarding you in a in kind of a a really boxed in way. But the the idea there in Song of Solomon is to is to guard the vineyard so that the 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 contents will be fully in season when it's ready, mm-hmm. right? And so that I just remember that verse when I, when I was younger that that do not stir up love until it's uh, until it pleases until it until it's ready basically, and um, it makes me really sad for you think about eleven year old kids who are, are awakening something in them before they're probably even capable of of uh, of acting on that on what they're seeing sure here's the outworking of this in our culture is there statistics that say and this is this is this is a you may not know this but kids adolescents or or teenagers are having less sexual encounters than than ever like the the in terms of of uh sexual uh promiscuity and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing those those numbers are dropping but what isn't dropping is pornography is obviously increasing yeah here's where this matters is because kids have had so much encounters with pornography, um, when they when they are sexually active, they're engaging in a lot more provocative and and maybe even heinous uh, acts of sex because they've already seen the the kind of mild stuff um, through pornography. Yeah, so there's a sort of boredom that yes. sets in with with anything that would resemble even. Yeah, uh, because they've already awakened something before that now has to be surpassed. And here's the thing. And here's the thing we know about porn is people who are watching porn, whether it's kids or adults, is the more, the deeper you get into pornography, it doesn't, it doesn't stay in this uh, very. What you watch does not stay uh, the same. It has to increase in terms of its. Well, sexuality in general is not stagnant, right? It's Mm -hmm. always progressing. Mm -hmm. Like you always have to, it, it, there's a sort of like drug like quality to it, right? Where it, it, it has to go further and you have to have like a new dose, so to speak. Right. And so it evolves and morphs and, and gets more extreme and, and, uh, more deviant. Um, and stuff, and so I think, uh, uh, yeah. So one one thing is we have to have parents who are engaged with their kids on this issue in ways, frankly, that are really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and which seem to most of us to be premature, but in all likelihood might even be too late. And so to start the conversation earlier, and to make it a conversation that's ongoing throughout adolescence, throughout their time, like. This has to be, I mean, and then we've got to think through things like, um, some of this can happen accidentally even, you know, especially when you're talking about nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, like they have 
internet access and they're just typing things in or they're looking at things or YouTube this or, you know, and, and so you get some, and, and they stumble into yeah, even without sure. attending to it at young ages. For sure. And so uh, the filters that we use uh, for our internet um, access at home, the filters that you have on personal devices that you give to your kids, all of these things come equipped now with parental controls and ways to at least have settings. And I know that kids are really smart and they'll find ways when they, but like at least to make it harder to at least to, to put boundaries up, to put uh, something in the path that would, that would, you know, slow things down. So uh, parents and I'll, and I'll be honest with you with, again, we've got 19 twins, 15, 11, like, so for years now I've had to, and I'm pro and I'm not a very tech savvy person. And so this is not an efficient use of my time to get these things set up, but like um, to go to, to, to A, set up things uh, on, the f on the front end that would guard and protect your children from things that they would either intentionally or inadvertently access or come across is super important. And then I would say secondarily to uh, regularly uh, investigate this seems really distrust. Like our culture is like, oh, you have to trust your kid. Bull, bull. Do not trust your kids. Um, do not trust the internet. Do not trust their friends. Like in this way, like in investigate. Like go through devices, look at history, searches, uh, search histories, um, and those kind of things. And so you've got to have a an established rhythm of making sure that this area of your family, your home is, is an area that you're guarding against. Cause more and more, I think one of the things that we experienced, um, that I, that I've discovered over the last several years with, with teenagers and such is that when you, it used to be that you had like, let's say your kids go to public school and, or if you went to public school or what, or private school, whatever, as a kid, you would go into that world all day and then you would come home and you were taken out of that world. Well, now through, media and through, uh, primarily through personal devices, cell phones, you know, tablets, stuff like that. Now that world that they just left actually stays with them, continues to influence. And so you've got to have a way in which you're thinking through, praying through, uh, intelligently how to, uh, put boundaries up, how mm. to guard your home, your family from the unmitigating influences of the world. And particularly in this area, um, for, for young people. Yeah. So that, that's more of, okay, how, how do we start at a young age thinking through this as protecting our children? Yeah. Um, let's talk about how we, in terms of, uh, peer level, help each other with this. So, and I know we've spent, we, we spent a good amount of time in this first, like 30 minutes kind of setting up the reality, right. Of, mm -hmm. of pornography in our culture and in our communities. Um, and I, I think that's important because if you want to be a disciple maker today, this has to be in your wheelhouse of helping disciple people out of this, uh, mm -hmm. this culture. Um, maybe it wasn't like that 30 years ago, but today you have to, if you're going to be a disciple maker with other people, you have to be able to talk about this with people who are struggling with it. And, um, and if you want to be a disciple of Jesus who's just growing you have to drag, you have to drag things into the light. Yeah. And, and so this, on both sides of this, like this is for our life. Like this is a real battle for our souls and for our marriages and for our families. And even for, for people who aren't married for your future family, because this has a way of re of visiting your future yeah. in ways you can't imagine yet. For sure. So here's, here's my strategy in terms of, helping both myself and people mm -hmm. out there um, that I've uh, kind of helped walk through this issue. So I, I, I did college, I've done college ministry for since I was in college, really a freshman in college for many years and have walked with a lot of particularly males in this issue and have walked with some high school boys in this issue even this past year. And uh, here's kind of, here's how I think about um, or I attack this in terms of wanting to, to see people set free from this. Obviously, and you, you mentioned this earlier in terms of uh, protections. Uh, if somebody in your life comes to you or maybe you're even dealing with pornography, uh, the first step always is what, what I call just turn the water off, mm. right? It's just turn the water off, meaning the first thing you do is 
put a safeguard in place. First thing you do is set up a password on your phone, give it to your friend, have them know the password. The first thing you do is put Covenant Eyes, a, a software on your computer. The first thing is to, you know, cancel HBO. The first thing, you know, it's like, that's the first step, right? But I promise you, if that's all you do, you'll never get around it because fences can always, you can always go over under them, right? Yeah, I mean, I think of those as helpful, not in the ultimate sense, but in the sense of if you want this to be out of your life, if you want to root this out, um, then you have to know that you're going to have moments and maybe times of weakness. And so having those things in place will not stop you, Mm -mm. but it will give you pause. It will will make it harder. Yeah, and, and it'll make you have to, like... It means that you will have to be deliberate in your pursuit of this, yes. and you won't be able to deceive yourself into, oh, I just, this came upon me. For sure. Right? 100%. It becomes now, now you have to own the problem and yeah. the level of the problem because for you to keep struggling with it is you to seek it out. Yeah, you have to see yourself being the crazy guy who goes through 30 different firewalls and searches 50 different, you have to see your own kind of recklessness right. to do it, right? So, that, so that's the first step, I think. And then kind of the next thing for me that, that I like to walk guys through is, okay, think about your, think about your cycle of this. Think about this, the cycle of, of pornography in your life. Uh, here, here's kind of maybe the, the linear outline. Is it starts with, obviously, that temptation, and it just becomes uh, consuming, and you give in, right? And you, uh, you watch pornography, and then you, you have this, you get this numbness, and this kind of deadness in your heart for a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you're just kind of callous and cold to God and people. And then you start being isolated. And maybe you get angry at yourself. Or maybe you get angry at somebody else. You start blaming other things. Um, and then it kind of wears off. Which are right? all the fruit of shame. 100%. All the right. fruit of shame. And then it kind of wears off. And you feel okay again. And you think, okay, you know... Uh, I don't need really need to worry about that. It was a one-time thing, and then, boom! A couple of days later, you're you're right back in that same cycle. Yeah. And here's what I always I always say: what what's what's consistent in all of those points of that cycle? All of it was in your own head. Mm-hmm. Nothing in that cycle left you left you. It was all this mental battle that you were dealing with alone. Mm. And um, I I think that the, the the first step to get out of that cycle is to bring somebody else into that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and here's what I th- here's where I think we probably skip a step in trying to help people out is we tell them, okay, bring somebody in to to, to help you be accountable, and you, you run to them every time you you, you know you you want to you want to watch porn or you want to uh, or you're struggling with this, right? And I think that's that's too many skips ahead. I think the first pattern we need to make in our lives is confessing sin to one another. I think it's really hard to get somebody to come preemptively tell you to walk them out of sin if they're not used to actually confessing sin when they do it. Mm-hmm. And so as, as simple as that sounds, starting with a pattern of, of when you fail having someone to call and, and confessing your sin to them and mm-hmm. walking that through is a huge step. And I think that gets missed a lot of times in our individualized maybe faith sometimes because we're so used to, to repentance and, and confession being a just us and God thing. Mm-hmm. But when I, like when I read the New, New Testament, I see confession. It's always confessing to one another. Yeah, James in that 5, right? Confess your sins one to another that you may so be you're healed. Cutting off, you're cutting off some of the actual uh, power of confession and repentance if it's all just you and God in your head at home. Right. So if you start with that idea of confessing sin to one another, then you can move on. To and that is not to say, so I'm, I'm thinking two passages, the James 5 one where he says, you know, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And then John, 1 John 1, 9, um, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And these are things that require a brother or a sister mm-hmm. to actually fulfill the biblical call towards confession. This mm-hmm. is not just you and Jesus in a private secret, yeah. you know, th- this is that. And the, I mean, you think about even God, when he confronts Adam in the garden says, what is this you've done? 
You know, he, he's trying to draw, like God knows what it is Adam has done. He wants Adam to name it. He wants yeah. him to confess it. Yeah. He wants him to drag, like sin gets its power. Shame draws its energy from its hiddenness, its darkness, uh, where it stays covered up. It stays uh, in that realm of, of like the unknown, like where you're, it, it, so Drag Ephesians five talks about how when we when we uh, everything that's exposed to light becomes light, right? So the redemptive grace of God is empowered by the confession of sin, the bringing of darkness into the light to shine the light of the glory of the gospel onto that, so that we can actually receive forgiveness yeah. and renewal. And and so yeah, confessing is so critical because it's you taking responsibility for it. It's you naming it. It's you identifying it, putting it in the right category. And when you confess it to a person, it's more real. It, it takes on more, uh, in a right way, it, you, real, you, you actually feel the weight of it differently. Mm-hmm. You feel the embarrassment and the shame for your good. Yeah. Like to, that, that you would feel shame for having done that which is shameful is healthy and it's and, and and that's where the grace of Jesus can kind of come into that. And so yeah. and you man, give you you give you give your brother or sister a chance to one uh, have that hard conversation but also speak the gospel over you. Right. Right? So if so you talk for a minute to the person who's hearing the confession of their brother or sister. Okay. Coach so, them. Well, again, I think this is person variable. I think sure. this is um you got to know the heart of the person you're talking to. Sure. Um, but I think having having someone actually uh, speak the gospel over you when you're uh, in this confession situation, rather than you and God in your own head, mm-hmm. you're going to hear the devil more than you are the, the gospel in your own head. Yeah, we both love Life Together from Bonhoeffer, yeah. and he talks about this idea of like the the when we confess to our brother and then we hear the word of forgiveness and grace, the word of the cross spoken back yeah. over us, there's, there's this unbelievable power yeah. in that, that, that it's not For just sure. a theory. It's, it's, there's like an embodied yeah. verbalized expression of the gospel to us from yeah. our friend. So I, I think the corporate aspect of confession and repentance with one another is huge. Uh, one, obviously, because this, I think this is the hardest I, I don't know of anything else harder in terms of uh, sin for, for people to admit. This is a really hard thing to people to drag to the light. But what yeah. makes it really hard is if you're not used, used to dragging the little things in the light. If, yeah. you're not used to, if you're not used to corporate confession of, hey, man, you know, pray for me. I, you know, I, I really just was ugly to my wife this morning. Or you know, pray for me. Uh, you know, I got this boss at work who I just want to, you know, clock in the face. Yeah, I'm literally you know. fantasizing about like yeah. throat chopping. If we're not used to bringing balls. our mental cycles out into the open for people to speak life and correction into, mm-hmm. this area is the last one that's ever going to come out. Right. So building... and, and we've essentially entered into a silent, unspoken contract with one another that, hey, we're going to leave this alone. Yeah. You don't talk about it. I won't talk about it. We, we can know statistically we're all struggling with it, yeah. but let's not make it a thing. For sure, and so here, here's what I want to say: if if you are someone who's struggling with this, if you are struggling with pornography, um, as hard as it as hard it is as hard as it, as hard as it is to make the first step, call a friend, call a brother or sister, maybe in our church this week, and say, "Hey, this is a this is an issue for me." Yeah, I promise you that that's a that's one of the hardest things you will ever do, but it'll yeah. be one of the most freeing things you ever do. Bringing things into the light does not mean that everybody gets to know everything or needs to know everything yeah. about you, but it doesn't mean that somebody needs to know. Yeah. And so you need a brother or a sister, same gender, who is committed to walking with you at every level of your life, and hopefully multiple brothers or sisters who are like that with you, who you can just be your realist self with who you can honestly, like uh, we've talked about this recently about um, we all need people in our life who we can get in the room with regularly and go, here's what's going on in me and help me see myself, yeah. right? And and if you don't have that, you're in for a, yeah. a, a rough road. And I I, uh, I was just reading this morning in my devotional, um, 
yesterday and today, Galatians 6. And the, Galatians 6 starts off with this admonition from the Apostle Paul where he says, uh, if anyone, he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a trespass, uh, those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Yeah. And man, what a powerful, we talk about gospel safety time. This is an issue of safety in the church. Like uh, this is an area we know is ravaging our souls broadly and relationships and our futures and, and all kinds and our children. And we've, we don't want to talk about it. And so, man, there's this idea of like, if anyone's caught in a trespass, like if somebody either is caught in this or brings himself into the light in this and is, is, is confessing this sin, then it, the responsibility, the, even the privilege for those of us who are on the other end of hearing that confession, it says those who are, spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Yeah. This is not to be met with, with shame and accusation. And I can't believe, or how dare you, or yeah. you like, as if you are beyond this, right? It, he even set goes on the next verse to say, uh, watch out for yourself. Lest you, lest you be tempted. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, so man, we have to have an attitude of humility at, towards our brothers and sisters who are struggling in, in a spirit of gentleness that would hear their confession of their guilt and the shame that they carry and that we would receive that and respond in a Christ-like way of, of speaking over them. Again, the forgiveness of Jesus, reminding them of the blood of Christ, which has cleansed uh, their, uh, you know, their own souls and from their sin and, and the, the, the cleansing that they find in him, the healing and renewal that's in him. Uh, there's other things attached to this, obviously, as well as in terms of trying to walk out of yeah, yeah. this. But but it really does begin with these just are the, honesty. These are the foundations, right? Yeah. If you aren't going to get honest, and what it, like we always say, like you want to be impressive or you want to be known. Yeah. Um, and so I just would urge us, plead with us, like, man, if this is an area of struggle. And when I say struggle, like, here's another thing that we've talked about. I don't know if we want to get into this. We're out of time, probably. <laughs> uh there, there's a thing that you're talking about in terms of the vagueness that we interact with around this. And we've talked about this before about how different it is when we talk and go, man, how are you doing in this area of sexual purity or of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And people are like, Oh, I'm doing okay. It's like, none of those things mean anything. Yeah. We got to start learning how to get specific with one another. 100%. 100%. So, um, so we got to ask specific questions. Like when was the last time you looked at pornography? Yeah. And answer that question. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, you say you're struggling. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that look like in real time? And let's not because we want to be voyeurs into each other's like most uh, dark, you know, areas of struggle, but because we want each other's freedom and wholeness. Yeah. And um, and this stuff is affect. I mean, I, we're in, we're in this first generation of adults, probably or people my age, who had who, where it, pornography was so accessible. Uh, and it, you, you wear a shirt. Maybe we can end on this. I'll, I have so many things going We've on in my head. Time. We do? Yeah, okay. We do. I got so many things in my head going on. Well, uh, you wear a shirt sometimes that says uh, porn kills love. Yeah, from an organization called Fight the New Drug. Okay, so, but, but that idea, like, can you expand on that at all? Like, well, so the, the, the shirt comes from an organization that tries to uh, see the a very holistic uh, effects of, of pornography in terms of uh, relationships, brain, um, a lot of science behind yeah. it, honestly. Um, yeah, the, the neurological effects. Yeah, but the, the, the porn kills love idea is really, it's trying, to, it's trying to show that our social connectivity and our ability to, to, to connect romantically is mm-hmm. being ravaged by yeah. pornography. Yeah, so the idea that we are made for, especially in the context of marriage, to like marriage is supposed to be a context of intimacy. But what's happening in young people is they start viewing this, they get hooked on this, it becomes mm-hmm. a regular part of life. By the time they are an adult who is married, they have no ability to be intimate. Yeah. They have for so long nurtured or, or uh, uh, sort of fed this sort of... Um, what was it? A fraudulent intimacy. Yeah, so reality is boring. And so, yeah, and 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 so it's it it that's where I say it visits you in your future in ways you can't fathom, yeah. and that it 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 stunts your capacity yeah. to be known by your spouse and and to be connected to one another. And that doesn't mean that God can't 
heal that, but that's got to be a very deliberate yeah. process of, of uh, redemptive kind of healing and stuff. So. And here's the progress of, you know, we, we focused pretty heavy on, on repentance and confession with one another as kind of a, as starting found, as a starting place, right? Uh, of getting to the place where you're, when, that, when pornography is a struggle for you, constantly coming to your brothers or sisters and, and uh, confessing that. Here's the progress. As eventually, as you make that a habit of your life, you start to apply that preemptively. Mm-hmm. You start to say, okay, I, I'm, I feel this struggle coming on. I'm going to call my brother beforehand this time mm-hmm. and say, hey, man, walk me out of this. Let's pray together. You know, can I come over? That, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you start to see freedom. But it's because you build a habit of confession that made it uh, made the the way for you to make a habit of of, of preemptively yeah. Um, calling yeah the enemy of our souls wants us to live in our own heads yes. as you were talking about 100%. and so the more that we give expression to the things going on in our heads the more those things as we walk with an awareness of the gospel will get adjusted to fidelity to the gospel yeah. and um you know, I've, I've read recently something that was really striking to me about how nobody knows the power of temptation more than the person who's resisted it, mm-hmm. right? Like, we think we know temptation because we've succumbed to it, and it's like, no, no, you don't understand, like, and by the way, temptation's everywhere, and all of us experience it, so there's no shame in being tempted. Yeah. There's no shame in having thoughts come into your mind and, and, and being tempted to go down a certain road. The, the shame is in the... Um, the the nourishing of those thoughts yeah. and then the pursuit of those actions. And, and so, uh, man, if you want to know, uh, like overcoming temptation, like Jesus, nobody knows more than Jesus, how powerful temptation can be, uh, towards sin because only Jesus has resisted it at every turn. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but Christ in us gives us that ability to, as you say, as we walk in confession and yeah. he becomes more and more alive, animating us. And it's more and more that Galatians 2.20, it's Christ who now lives in me, not, not myself, right? Like, and so we're, we're able to, through the power of Christ in us, begin to resist temptation. Uh, and as First Thessalonians says, like we begin to not just try not to hurl ourselves into sexual sin, we start to flee sexual immorality, right? Like we start to run the other way when temptation comes. And so we start to, we have to build that reflexive response into our lives over a period of time and some of the ways that we're talking about. Maybe just an encouragement for for parents because we hit on this earlier. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in time equity in terms of uh, with kids. Uh, Not not, Not quality time, but quantity time. Both. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but in terms of being in a kid's life in terms of, and building that relationship in all areas um, so that later down the road you have a voice in their life when they actually want you to. Because mm-hmm. um, we're talking about what am I having these conversations with 11-year-olds. I mean, those are not fun. Those are horrible. Those are usually oh man, fights. they're maybe There's, they might be they're uncomfortable the for the kid. You. You know, they might be like, more uncomfortable for you yeah, as a parent. Yeah. So <laughs> there's all of that really just frustrating stuff that I can't even imagine from a parent's perspective uh, uh, that you go through. But um, surrounded by years of of um, being a consistent uh, both parent and maybe a, a leader or a church member in a, in a young person's life, you, I promise you, you will not know the effects and the, the doorways that it opens for when they really need you down the road. Mm. Here's an example um, in my own life. Is, uh, you know, we're talking about these conversations um, and the, the weird and the frustrating stuff of teenagers and parents dealing with this. And I remember dealing with that with, with my dad and my, my parents in these areas. But I remember my dad always being an open door to me and uh, not an open door in terms of telling me everything, but his door was always open for me to come talk to him about anything. Mm-hmm. And obviously I, like the way he was with me, I kind of thought it was, uh, I didn't, I didn't respect it. I didn't understand it when I was an early teenager, but because he was so consistent in both uh, his door always being open and talking to me about things that I needed to be talked about when I was in college and 
pornography became a, a temptation and a struggle, the first person I call is my dad. Hey, dad, can you, can you put this, you put this password in on my phone mm-hmm. and just don't tell me what it is. Yeah. I know a lot of friends who they could never call their dad and do that mm-hmm. because their dad wasn't there. Their dad was, and their dad never had these conversations with them as, at 12 years old. Why would they want to have them? Or their dad just thinks, hey, that's normal. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we all do that. Like, it's cool. Whatever. But that was a result <laughs> of time equity that my dad had put yeah. years into. Yeah. And you may not see the fruit of that until people grow the, up. Yeah, and then the other side of that that I would suggest is uh, for either A, older, more mature men among us who have known this struggle, and then for parents in trying to help your kids is we've been talking about that confession and honesty. Um, I think you got to lead the way in that, right? Like if you will, as parents and as older people further along, mentor younger people in confession Mm -hmm. by being a confessor of your sin and not the sin that's obvious to everybody. Be a confessor of the sin that nobody would know about you unless you confessed it because it's internal to you. And so I think, for me, that's one of the things as a dad I want to do with my sons as they're getting older. I want to be more and more honest with them about, hey, these are the things that go on in my own head and in yeah. my own heart. Because in confessing that to them, they go, oh, I'm not the only one. Or, yeah. hey, it's okay to say this and to talk about this. Like, and so I think you bake that into the cake of discipleship yeah. by, by leading that way. And so For sure. disciple makers, which parents are, uh, we're lead confessors. Yeah. We're lead repenters. Um, Sure. And uh, this is a massive topic that deserves a lot more attention than we're giving it here. But I just, I would plead with you that if you find yourself um, swimming in this area of sin and its effects, whether personally, maritally, whatever, um, man, raise the red flag or mm-hmm. the white. I don't know what color the flag's supposed to be. Let's just say red. white flag, red flag. <laughs> I don't know. Bring yourself to the light. Like, come and talk, go talk to somebody, a brother or sister who's in your life and just get real and get honest as a starting place. And, um, you know, uh, there's help, there's help yeah. and there's, there's a future and you can get your life back. I think, I think, and we've brought up statistics and, and things in this conversation. Um, and there's a lot of research that says pornography is addictive, that it has addictive, uh, gets addictive like a drug. So there's oh, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of chemical stuff going on, all that sort of thing. Um, but I think if you're dealing with this issue as well, it, it, it can't just be a, I'm an addict thing. It has to be a spiritual thing as well. And I remember this and we'll end here. And, and I, I throw this out cause I remember hearing this on a podcast and it really striking a nerve with me many years ago. I heard John Piper talking about this this topic of pornography and the the tendency to just uh, relax on it because it's a it's a it's an addiction that people have um, that they can't get free. And he said, yeah, he said basically what he said was, I understand that, but let me just give you a scenario. If I was to write you a check for ten million dollars. And the agreement was you never watched pornography again. You could probably put in the effort and not watch it again because of what you were getting in return. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's absolutely right. If you, mm-hmm. if you gave me $10 million, I promise you I would do everything in my power to, to, to cut this out. And he was like, how much more in return of the blessings of Christ ending pornography in your life? Yeah. Don't tell me that you that you can't stop, because there's some there's things in your life that you want more than pornography. What are they? Mm-hmm. And if it's Christ, ten million dollars isn't isn't even close. Right. So I think we need to have that that I that kind of gut check um, reality in our lives of what do we want most in life in return for. Yeah. Something as cheap so, as pornography. Certainly, oneness, intimacy, enjoyment with Christ is one of those things. Enjoyment in marriage and healthy relationships is a priceless gift that yeah. that you give yourself a shot at, you know, yeah. <laughs> by by cutting this out. So I I just think about the all, so much of Scripture talks about waging war against our flesh and about fighting 
you know, the fight of this is an area that we have got to get serious about and fight like crazy. Yeah. And, um, you know, and all the, we have, like, this is an area where the world has drug us into the gutter with them as the people of God. And we've, we're kind of okay with it too, like in many places. And so I really do hope this would be an area of repentance for us where we would agree together. Let's, let's not just give lip service even to this. Maybe that's the starting point, but let's actually contend for real purity and real fidelity to the Lord Jesus for the health of our marriages and our families and our souls and for our lived enjoyment of, of oneness with Christ. Yeah. Any resources before we close? Oh, recommendations. Yeah, recommendations. Um, oh, Lord, I forgot all about that. What's yours? <laughs> go ahead. You go first. On this topic, uh, James mentioned it earlier, but fightthenewdrug.org is a really cool... Uh, it's just a really cool organization. They're not Christian folks, but they uh, they do a lot of research in this topic of pornography and trying to change the culture's mindset on it. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of good information there. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint, there's a book by Tim Challies called "Sexual Detox" um, that goes that talks about uh, pornography and kind of okay, how do we walk out of this? Some really practical things I think that are that are helpful um, mm-hmm. and some wisdom there. Um, so yeah, those are those are two avenues in, on this topic. I think in uh, I can't remember who wrote the book. There's a book called "Finally Free" uh, that I have on my desk or on my bookshelf downstairs that I think is helpful, again, in practical ways. Um, I, this is more than a practical issue, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, but it is a, a, a solid Christian book that I think gives some good... So if, if what we're saying today isn't enough to persuade you of some things, if you, if you uh, are sitting there thinking, I, I, I want to understand this more, I want to, you know, that, that's a really, that was a good book, um, a helpful book. Um, that, that's one that comes to mind. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for uh, being with us. We're probably going to lighten it up next week <laughs> a little bit um, with some material, so uh, uh, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I, thanks for bringing it up. It's not a fun topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important one, so I appreciate you yeah. having us dive into it. I yeah. uh, hope it's helpful to people. Yeah. Hope you guys uh, have a good week. <laughs>